good people. It's Reg. It's Stone. And we are right now in the editing room, cutting up our opus. Right now, going through the footage, the audio logs. We've got a history of Drake and Pusha Beef. It's going to be on Hulu 2023. It's about 483 hours long right about now. We're editing it to a nice, tight three-hour documentary. We've got everything here. We've got, you know, the Drake and Blackface. We've got Pusha T versus Lil Wayne over a Laura London. Remember that beef, actually? Yeah. Vaguely? Yeah. That was, that was, this is, this is, this is, this is generational. You know what I'm saying? We're going to, we're going to have some casting. You know what I'm saying? Right now, we're, we're, we're trying to figure it out exactly. But, you know, what we're hoping, what I'm hoping personally is to get Michael B. Jordan as Drake. You know what I'm saying? I figure there's, you know, he's going to have to method act and basically, you know, just eat a lot of cheeseburgers. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> get a bad Dominican haircut. We're figuring it out. Everything's in contract. But, you know, look for that next year. <laughs> oh, man. We, what, what year was that? Like Which 2019? The push 2019? Scorpion, yeah? Yeah, yeah, 2019. Like, <laughs> it's a different world, a different time. <laughs> we used to go outside. <laughs> you weren't afraid of coughs. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so, both Pusha T and Drake are back this week. And, you know, the Pusha, like, dropped a, a few singles. Um, it is all of the things that you expect from Pusha. Like you want high quality drug raps. High like quality. The Pusha, highest. The highest quality. <laughs> uncut. <laughs> Bespoke Coke raps. You know. Um, also, too, we forgot to talk about the Pusha Arby's track. Oh, true. But, you, you know, know what's, which, even, even in there, he had to drop that fish kill line. You know what I'm yo, saying? Yo, like he dropped a, a, a Coke reference in a corporate <laughs> diss track. <laughs> you know, like like 2022 is on some, some other shit, you know. Um, <laughs> but that diss track went hard. Like it was like math. It was fire. And like he also admitted, you know, he's doing the press tour. He admitted that he didn't get that much money from the from the McDonald's gig, and you know, like he just kind of talked about the the death of his parents. Like, pushes out here, um, and and then Drake comes out with a track that apparently, like, you have to get on Twitter because <laughs> a uh, leak, quote unquote, a, a leak. Like even the, the the OG SoundCloud got deleted and somebody spliced it up in, in into like a, a few tweets or some shit like that <laughs> this morning. Elon Musk's Twitter now like it's, <laughs> it's a new place for for all the drops and exclusive leaks. <laughs> <laughs> but it's Drake going hard. It's Drake on and, and you know your boy Jack Harlow, who I I, I find myself not. I want to hate Jack Harlow because apparently he comes from like you know like like pharmaceutical money or some shit like that. But apparently he's a really good dude. So I can't hate on him. And he like kind of like had to step up because Drake kind of stepped up and gave you classic Drake and just gave you like classic bars over your classic like sped up R&B samples and with a dark tone and like gives you just like classic lines that just got me hype. So we're we're back to 2019. Drake and Pusha. (laughs) Like Drake starts like dropping some like some disses towards Pusha's way, and you know let's see where where it goes. <laughs> um, but I I don't know like a part of me is just like I this is why I love hip hop right like and this is kind of like you just have these two dudes on such a high level they're not giving you anything different outside of their repertoire, but they're just like coming to you at such a high level that you have to respect right like like it's hard to like bring you the same old shit <laughs> at a high level and you like there's just just enough different that you're kind of like okay cool this is like unique this is like you know whatever so um you know props to both of them you know yeah. I, I i feel like like i don't know hip-hop was just kind of it's always been like this, oh, when's Kendrick going to drop an album, blah, blah, blah. I know, like, Tyler did, like, his thing last year. But hip-hop is kind of missing that, you know, so. And what I love about it is the idea of, because last time Drake came out, uh, everybody remember that Little Boy album? Exactly. No. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually like the fact of where 
Drake seems fired up here, even though, you know, again, here's the thing. I root for Drake for the worst reasons. I root for him because he's a petty god. I like the idea you've got this guy where, you know, no matter how big as he is, he's there giving weird subliminals about how, you know, you know, Rihanna slash Nicki Minaj is his real love. He's still kind of whining about fucking when he's an underdog. Like, I, I like the idea of Drake being this weird comic supervillain super kind of chilling in the cut. And I felt that the last record was a little bit of him kind of, A, doing that role kind of on autopilot, and B, it's kind of just throwing bars out there as generic. I think what's great about this is the idea of where, like you said, it's just like, and I forget the exact verbiage, but ultimately it's like, I can't let that slide. Like, you came at my kid to a certain extent. I have to get revenge. And, and I love that weird edge to it. Not to say that, you know, I'm pro beef, but it's the idea of where at the end of the day you get, and I think even through bars in there where it's like, I'm too rich for people to read to my, I forget he made a line where it was something along the lines of where I'm too rich for people to relate to my raps. And I think he might have it wrong. I think it's the idea of once you got that much success, who are you rapping for? What's your motivation? And yeah. I think that you look at, let's say, you know, if you ever listen to Pusha T's interviews, he's like, look, for me, certain hip hop records are like the Bible, you know, made for Cuban links, reasonable doubt. He's like, he's like, I grew up on this coke rap for like 10 years. And my goal is that if it was a very specific wheelhouse, I just tackle it from different angles. There's always new bars. There's always new, new flips. There's always new entendres. He's like, you know, it's, it's almost like somebody being really good at like guitar solos. You know what I'm saying? He's just like, yeah, he may not be able to do country. He may not be able to write banjo licks. But goddamn it, you call him for that guitar solo, it's gonna fucking nail it. And I like that. And, and to a certain extent, I feel like Drake's power is when he when he's really the underdog to a certain extent. I think that's when he kind of taps into it more. True. And I, I like the fact of where it's like, you know, he's still being petty over that beef and still felt like he had to kind of do something to kind of throw a wrench into that album promotion tour that Pusha T's currently doing. So it's like I said, it's it's almost like a good thing. Like I said, going back to the idea of hip hop, where it's like, yeah, beef generally sucks. But sad to say, Beef generally brings out the best raps out of people. It's a, of course. It takes out the doldrums. And, and I think it's, uh, yeah, like it's, it's, it's just kind of time that, you know, A, push a T to drop because it's been a minute, but also Drake. Like I said, I, I, miss, I miss the hip hop villain, so I'm happy to have him back. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. And, and I think that it's something where I almost, you know, cause it's really interesting when, you, when you're with artists and they read reviews. Right and of their albums and shit, and I think like Drake is always kind of like very <laughs> sensitive about like how he's portrayed and how people like perceive of him. And I'm sure he wrote the like read those like CLB reviews, and I was like, oh shit, you know. And I and, I, and you're right, like like maybe that fuels him more now. He's kind of the underdog. A lot of people are saying like Drake is falling off, and you know he has to come out with like this 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 track. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I think like, um, you know, Drake is a master lyricist and I'm not like, <laughs> I know somebody who saw Drake at Madison Square Garden twice. <laughs> I'm not that person. <laughs> I'm not, you know, but I'm like, again, like, like he, you know, both of these dudes are like students of hip hop, you know? And, and I think, you know. I, I feel like, you know, hip hop's been around for like, what, 40, 50 years now. We're at a point where you just have like people who are just like masters at it and students of, of, of this game. And they're, they're, they're very much, you know, even the beef, it's like calculated in a way, you know, it's like taking like that, like Nas Jay-Z beef and like turning it up to 100, right? It's like the same playbook, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just different era. So, um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited. Like I, I, and also I, I'm vaguely excited about a Jack Harlow album. I don't know. Like people are giving him buzz. Um, he was not bad on this track. Um, I know people who like in the industry who are just like, he's actually a really good ass dude, but I'm also just kind of like, who, what? Um, yeah, it's, I could, he's a good rapper. He's a great rapper. He's a good solid rapper. But obviously, it's a hard to look at him and say, "Hey, you know, his 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 best fucking attributes <laughs> is sadly enough <laughs> his 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 skin color. It's, oh, of he's course, got that. Of course, you know, it's just like, and it's like not even even in that weird machine gun Kelly way. It's just like, hey, 
This is this is the guy where he shows up to take, take your girl out to the prom and, just, and take your your girl your daughter out your girl to the prom your daughter out to the prom like yeah that guy's that Jack is a good guy you know take yeah. the keys to my, take to the keys to the car son bring her home in <laughs> a good time here's a hundred bucks have fun <laughs> oh man um well, cool. but, uh, what else we well, got here we got we can segue you know I, we we were in new beef let's bring you back to mythical time of two thousand and one. 2001, what was back then? Long jerseys, Ron at, wore as fucking cool streetwear. That was pre-COVID. You know what I'm saying? I think that was pre-9-11, actually, if you do the math. It's pre, yeah, it's, pre-9-11. I, I checked, it's pre-9-11. Pre-9-11. This is, the world was different. I mean, black people were getting shot and killed, but that's been happening for all the history. But besides that, it was a better place. Um, but yeah, nah, so long story short... Some some somebody on the internet went through and find their old. What were, did we have phones back then? VHS tape. What were we recording on? Yeah, yo, it had to be VHS, right? Yeah, who knows? No, like we had DVD. We had DVD. We had DVD. Who knows? Yeah, but, like because uh, DVD. Like I got my first DVD player. I'm old, ninety nine. So we had DVD. Uh, true, true, true. But you know, we didn't have like the DVD. Like you know, we couldn't like make the videos on the DVD. We had to buy it from like you know, the store the, the, or like the best buy for like twenty five dollars. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Thirty dollars. <laughs> Limited edition. Uh, but I'm looking at this video and like, no, nah, this shit's VHS. <laughs> so <laughs> it's VHS but, uh, quality. <laughs> but, but again, I swear to God, everything comes back. There's been I've seen many quote unquote indie rock and even hip hop videos with the VHS aesthetic. Yo, can we dead that now? That four three that like... four three VHS <laughs> and a, you know, a, a f- it's it's uh there's an LCD line, LCD sound system line that kind of hits me hard where he says I forget but it's like it's oh there it is he says nostalgia for the unremembered eighties basically making mm. fun of hipsters mm. and it's like oh VHS was cool or dad was VHS look at it it's grainy yeah. but uh <laughs> anyway no no let, let's let's get off the subject I have get off subject but... what are we talking about God damn it <laughs> summer say two thousand and one Jay Z shows up. And basically alters the course of hip hop history. He literally goes on stage. He debuts probably, probably, definitely top three hip hop. This is of all time. Goes at arguably at that time, even though he fell off a little bit. One of the biggest rappers on the planet, Nas, throws dirt on basically underground favorites, Mob Deep. Brings out Michael fucking Jackson, who was still Michael Jackson at that time. Yeah. It was just like, like the way, the way Jay-Z, and that's what I kind of miss about Jay-Z now in the billionaire stage because it kind of hit the heights. But what's kind of fascinating with Jay-Z's career was that he's probably one of the rappers where he would do certain things and it was like, oh shit, that's a, that's a much bigger stage you've just done, you know? Oh shit, you know, he's got like Pamela Anderson in his videos. Like, oh shit, he's crossing over in world ways, but still being a very much street type rapper dude. But long story short, that 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 summer jam, two thousand and one, is one that rappers still reference. You know what I'm saying? It's it's so yeah. many, so huge for the culture. And what's kind of cool is the fact of bringing it back a little bit to the Kanye fucking documentary. But it's in general, um, we've done a very terrible job of documenting these big eras of hip hop. You mm-hmm. know, it it kind of sucks because it's and a lot of it is just not to be funny. You know hip-hop was generally seen as disposable black music in general what am i saying because you could bring this back to summer of soul where yeah. the fact of you basically have this huge woodstock fucking thing happening in fucking new york fucking city and it took fucking 40 years for them to kind of get the footage back and put something decent out of it so long story short it's just a great little showcase of what was happening at that time great thing for the culture when i was watching it, it reminded me a lot of ironically enough the locks when, the, when they had that versus where right. I was like oh shit this is some real hip hop shit because it feels that like even now that's a rarity to kind of get like hip hop in it's uncut form everything is kind of polished everything is kind of tailored everybody's kind of do it a certain way everybody's kind of sunning for the camera it was just kind of cool he- hearing just just a dude that even though he's already at the top of the game he's just hungry he just wants to fucking 
annihilate New York City. And, and I think that's what's great about the video is the idea for like a lot of young dudes too, where it's like, oh, this is a taste of what was happening around the end. You could feel the energy, long story short. Yeah, definitely. And it's just kind of crazy to watch this video. And then also like a lot of the videos from like the tunnel and like, you know, like all these like New York venues. And it's just kind of like seeing like, like you knew that like even like, you know, 20 something years removed that this was something special. Yeah. Right. Like it's just like there's something about it where it's like this is something that's going to be remembered. And yeah, like, you know, Jay-Z, like it's crazy because like Jay was like, you know, at his prime, but he was still like, like what, like five years into his music career at that that point. <laughs> Shit, you're right. You know, well, as a real rapper, yeah, you could make the when when was volume, when was ninety four five? Okay, yeah, I thought it was like ninety six, but like you know, it might be ninety six. I try to think of one reasonable doubt because ninety four obviously was not as anybody else. He was bubbling up. Obviously, you had old school G trying to make it. But yeah, Poppy 96 is fair. Yeah. I would say 96 you know, like, is probably yeah, where. Yeah, yeah. Like, like 95, 96, um, you know, but like... It, God damn, and and yeah, up. and it's just crazy to kind of see that, right? Like, it's crazy to just be like, you know, I am going to do all these things. Like, number one, there's like way more money in the music industry back then. <laughs> <laughs> where you could like actually get like you know like Michael Jackson um cause like people are out here paying $20 for CDs <laughs> but um but yeah no it's just like it's, it's it's a moment in time and I think like you know like especially after watching Summer of Soul even the Kanye documentary like you know thank God for these people who are like out here like filming stuff um yes. and you're right because like like we we don't know what's, what's even out there what what even exists you know um and this is you know we don't this is an era when we didn't have a camera in our pocket so um yeah thank god for people out here like really trying to document the culture back in the day because we're at the point where these these things now are like artifacts you know yeah. they're 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 you know they will be in museums like 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 really 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 soon like we'll be looking back on these things um, with reverence um, this is over 20 years ago and, and like you know think about like 10 years from that and 10 years from that so um, yeah no definitely like this is it's just a I'm just like it had so happy that it, that it exists yeah no it's I'm thinking like shit like imagine you had a camera running during like Stretch and Bob when you had like a young Wu-Tang Clan showed up trying to get put on yeah. Imagine you had a camera running where, you know, Dr. Dre has left the NWA and he's going solo and he's got this young rapper named Snoop Dogg who's trying to, you know, recreate the magic of his NWA days. Like, like there's so many of these moments where they've impacted pop culture in huge ways and you don't really get it documented the same way you you would see, like, let's say, like a Nirvana or like fucking or like a Pearl Jam or even fucking... Like you're back in the age of Led Zeppelins, where I feel like everything. That's the irony of it too, because you figured out the technology was even like it was hard. Like you had cameras were heavy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you know, what I'm saying it was the kids you don't know. had to like, have a crew. It was it was the <laughs> 70s technology, and so I'm hoping that you know maybe somebody was enterprising. Maybe you had a young NYE student, somebody UCLA out there kicking it with the right rappers at that time. That hopefully that you know, and like I said, maybe that could be a good piggyback because I know that. Right now, streaming's all into content, content, content. Obviously, you have a lot of nostalgia, the toys that made us, the shows that made us. You've got fucking, you know, these callbacks to, I guess, the millennial childhood. I'm hoping that, like, there's a lot of this shit around and somebody drops the bag and we get to see more of them. I do know, like, something like Norican's Poets Cafe. I don't know if I'm blowing up their spot, but I do know that they have... They've, they've mentioned about, I don't know if it's all visual, but they definitely have an archive of things that has, that has happened over oh, there at that spot. So things like that, I think would be fantastic. Yeah. And I'm hoping that, you know, people took a good eye and kind of, you know, dig through it. Yeah, but, no, um, definitely, definitely. But I'm going to use that to segue once again, because I feel like it's the classic hip hop podcast. But uh, b- big news, going back to the idea of, I guess, cataloging things. Um, Library of Congress added a bunch of new records that is periodically. And uh, in addition to your expected stuff, you know, Sherelle's, you got Renovista um, Social Club, you've got Bonnie Raitt, you have Wu-Tang, and you have A Tribe Called Quest. 
basically things get entered into the catalog where they are seen as of significant American pop culture significance. And I don't think you could deny what Wu Tang and Tracker Quest has brought to the table. Um, I guess it's the idea I bring it back to uh, ironically enough drink champs talking about one of their big things you know Nori says in his drunken stupor is about how he likes to give people their flowers while they're alive so it's kind of cool having this happened it's kind of sucks it took <laughs> 30 years but uh ideally it's nice to kind of see hip-hop gain that recognition you know it's, it's it's you know in an era where you know rap awards are still given off camera at the Grammys south to them it's nice to see certain American institutions recognizing what hip hop has done for the world and America in general. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I, I, I yeah, these aren't surprising to me. Um, it'll be very interesting to kind of see like, at, you know, and maybe there's like a thing where like you have to be, your album has to be 30 years old <laughs> before we consider <laughs> you. <laughs> You know, because like you know, they're just they're trying to induct Dolly Parton into like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame like this year, right? Like, come on, fam. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so um, and it'll be interesting to kind of see like if this is just a a blip, or if this is something that's like you know, you know, this is where the culture is, right? Like thirty years ago, forty years ago, the culture has changed where you can't just get away with this. You know, like you you had hip hop, you had his hip hop of historical value now. Like all of these albums are basically time capsules of an era, right? So are we, you know, my my hope is that we are like, this is just going to be the norm and we won't even like talk about this <laughs> on the podcast. Yeah. But, you know, my fear is that this is a blip. It's only just because we are talking about like having more visibility uh, for hip hop in the world because of you know all the things that happened in 2020 uh and then like once we kind of look away they go back to the old ways you know so but uh you know props to tribe and props to uh you know um wu-tang i mean i i i'm not that that should be surprising like the, you know <laughs> so um we just need more yep absolutely um and i guess the, the last segment of our oldies new segments but got your tims um, Black Star, Black Star, Talib Kweli, Most Def, um, huge record, seminal hip hop record, definitely, I guess, next up for the Library of Congress. Um, um, breakout record for both the artists, actually, I'd make an argument. Um, held in high regard. You've got a sequel, almost twenty five years after the fact, produced by Madlib, one of the best producers out there. Period. Um, what's fascinating about this is less about the fact that it exists because uh, generally Talib Kweli, Mostaf, they're around, you see I'm talking, they've made mention about how they've been working on some black stuff and working on things here and there. The interesting thing is it's going to be on Luminary, which is basically a subscription podcast service. Basically one that Talib Kweli, I know is heavily involved with, with a podcast with uh, Dave Chappelle, it's 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 an interesting attempt. It's it's who who knew in 2022 we'd still be finding alternate ways of trying to make money off music because it doesn't really pay. <laughs> <laughs> so first off, like I you know I, I guess you have to get that bag any way you can, and you know I'm sure Luminary gave them an advance that they don't have to pay back. <laughs> Because they get all the pub, right? Like, we're talking about Luminary. Somebody's going to listen to this podcast, Google Luminary, and, like, you know, they're going to get a subscription off of that. So Mm -hmm. from a strategic and marketing standpoint, you win. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm actually very excited about this album. Um, You know, Black Star is, is, you know, an epic album. But the produced by Mad Lib is like what really got me because I think Mad Lib has just been on a tear uh, for a while. So I'm, I'm very excited to kind of like see the three of them pair together. And uh, I can't wait for that bootleg. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be on that casa. Come on, holler, holler at us. That's so seek. <laughs> I mean, again, like I said, A, number one in anything, get the bag. So props to them for that. 
And then B, I mean, we'll, we'll see. Like I said, it's, it's cool. Mad Lib is a high, as, at a fucking, it's, it's definitely at a high level now. When Talib and Mo show up in people's records, it's just, actually, sorry, Yasin Bey. We're, Yasin Bey. Sorry about that. Um, show up in people's records, it's still rapping at a very high level. It's going to be interesting to kind of see it come out. Um, ideally, I would love to see a big blowout, but I kind of get that upfront bag. So props to those gentlemen. Let let them uh, get paid. And uh, like I said, we'll, we'll see you on these, uh, these boot, blue, blue, I'm sorry, these boot tech, ugh, bootleg YouTube streets. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's the same place we got that, J- that Jack Harlow fucking quote unquote leak. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Oh, All right, man. next up, we've got a uh, new music. Um, we're going to start off with a personal favorite of both of ours. You know what I'm saying? J. Cole, the most charismatic rapper out there. You know what I'm saying? A man about busting these guns. A man who never raps about being the underdog. man who never beefs with no name. <laughs> <laughs> For being too smart, even though he graduated college. I don't know. Um, long story short, you got another Dreamville comp. Dreamville is J. Cole's label. They also have a festival. Beyond that, though, Dreamville is actually a pretty, as opposed to a lot of Vandy labels, <coughs> good music. Um, Dreamville actually has acts. Yeah. Um, very talented roster. They dropped a new compilation. I gave it a listen. Um, Stone gave it a listen. It's very solid. I will say this for me, similar to the roster, the artists I liked already were to me the big standouts. When Earth Gang would show up, I'd be like, oh, it's Earth Gang. And then that's about it. But uh, I really got excited when it was JID or when it was Ari Lennox. Um, it's kind of fascinating for both. I know Ari Lennox has had some, I won't say issues per se, but she was a little bit online way too much, like we all were the last couple of years. This is so so I think she like quit the music business, unquit it, got 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 mad at people getting hit on looks for colorism. Who knows? A wide variety of things. So it's cool to kind of hear just two dope songs that she did. She did a remake of um, I'm Coming Down, but based off somebody seeing somebody who's in drugs. Um, she got another song, which is a plain banger. So it's cool hearing her. Um, with J.I.D., we both fans. Um, it's kind of fascinating to kind of hear him here because he's still spinning at an extremely high level. He's also had some weird success. Um, Imagine Dragons basically threw him a verse on a song called Enemy. But one of the reasons why Enemy is glowing up is because it's also basically a soundtrack of a video game Netflix show <laughs> based off League of Legends. So basically, you know, he's a lot in the promo. It was plastered everywhere. It's a big show for Netflix. And then from that point on, the show, I mean, the song kind of hit, hit hit these streaming streets and is doing really well, where I think it was top five a couple of weeks in a row. So it's definitely a word glow up for JID. It's going to be interesting to see him, how he kind of navigates that, because you've got somebody where, who's by and all definition of a very un- underground rapper, somebody who's very concerned with nimble wordplay, and he's also got a pop hit. So it's going to be interesting to kind of see him kind of go on. Um, J. Cole on this record, I thought was pretty cool. Um, he's still kind of J. Cole. <laughs> so it kind of goes from like, you know, a lot of like shit talking about how cool he is, but also at the same time, weird self-esteem things. So we'll see. I don't know. Yeah. Like I, I, I didn't finish this album, but like, you know, I, I, I think like most Dreamville compilations are kind of the same. I would say this is probably a little bit different just because I feel like it, it's, it's a lot of the same people in a weird way. Um, I know like in the past, like he's like J Cole's really been about trying to elevate like different rappers. Like you'll get like an invite, like a golden ticket. <laughs> <laughs> to go to the, the Dreamville session, you know, um, and most of these people, I think, like are are affiliated with like you know like Dreamville in some way, like like even like a cause and Omen, like things like that. Um, you know, having that said, like I, I like I, I think it's a it's an album, <laughs> and, not, and not in a bad way. I I think like you know, um, like 
I have I have pros like I I'm more about the idea of like you know it's all posse cuts and the idea of like making sure that these people are elevated and they're like the Re- revenge album got like crazy ass streams right and like the idea of like putting that streaming money into everybody's you know pocket um I think it's like very important so um you know like I always support you know JID is definitely next um and, and you made like a really good point like now he's on that pop shit he has like a half a billion streams which is insane um you know and even like you know there's stuff from like young DiCaprio like got like over 100 million streams like so he's definitely like up next um but you know like I, I think just kind of like like making sure like you know J. Cole making sure like there's still some like emerging rappers in the in part of these projects and like making sure like Ari Lennox is lifted up Sheck West out of, out of nowhere yeah <laughs> on the intro the hiding yep like um you know I, I would say like you know these, these like projects are less about like oh let's like make an album that's gonna like chart right or like get the, the streaming charts and more around again like this love of hip hop and then also too like let me use like this dreamville cloud to like elevate people um when they they probably need the most so yeah not not mad not mad at all um next up ooh, oh let's don't take this up oh uh, we talking about sid <laughs> sid's up next all right so uh so sid just dropped an album uh called broken hearts club it is uh i i don't know how many of like um solo sid albums but you know sid obviously came from the odd feature camp um you know as a part of the internet um you know has like a solo career um you know i i would say not famous famous but you know i think you know one of the few um openly you know gay r&b artists out here that really sings about like you are going to be my wife r&b right um and i feel like that's i can't think of anybody else who's at that level who's doing that so i think the she best pillow had... talk in the game yeah yeah <laughs> so um so yeah like you know I, th- I think she's just been um just like really kind of out here with that um and really kind of like you know like like really confident in that and you know oh so this is only her second album solo album i think um but broken hearts club is is her second solo album um and i it shows her kind of like because i feel like finn and like some of the early internet stuff is very kind of like that like laid back r&b and i feel like she tries a lot of different things with this album um so i'm trying to think of like um what's the the, the one track the single um, off this album like getting late like right track I feel like he's trying a lot of different R&B styles and like really trying to like you know branch out from that kind of like either like you know that laid back R&B type of you know early like mid you know 2010s SoundCloud R&B um, but then also the internet I think it was like more like kind of like your posse R&B um, and trying to like find her own lane Having that said, I, I feel like this album has not grabbed me. Um, just because I I, you know, I will probably get docs for this, but Sid is not the best singer. Oh. <laughs> and I, I feel like the production like hides that sometimes. And I feel like this production, like, you know, she was trying to push herself. And then the songs, I, I felt like she was, like, trying to push herself. Like, I was just kind of, like, it felt a little weak. You know, I felt like I needed, like, a scissor on this track. You know, I felt like I needed, like, somebody who can kind of pull it off. Um, or I need somebody who can hide that, like, hide that weakness in a way that you don't, like, really think about it. Like, <laughs> I'm probably going to get docs for this, too. But Dr. Luke in, like, fucking Doja Cat. <laughs> Who's also not a great singer. So I will say all this and I will like shut up because I'm going to have like arrows coming through my window right now. <laughs> living in Bed-Stuy trying to talk shit about Sid. <laughs> uh, 
I mean, I think I'm on the same page. I, I, I actually liked it better than her last record. I think the vibes are better. I think it's an interesting conundrum just because uh, she doesn't have the strongest voice, but neither does, let's say, The weekend. I'll even say Early weekend. let's say. I would make an argument that kind of in the same, I won't say same lane per se, but this like very sensual, very mysterious kind of R&B. Obviously, Early weekend was very much on the dark side. So that was his thing where he kind of leveraged it between what was happening as far as, you know, being drugged up, depression, you know, how we all felt after that gets 2008 crash, <laughs> where uh, Sid kind of keeps it focused, you know, more on the sensual side, keep it sexy, keep it light, keep it very flirty. You know, I really can't think of an artist that oozes sexuality that easily, like on record, um, in comparison to Sid, like across the board, be, you know, be it queer or straight. Um, I do think that, like you said, it kind of it kind of carries it a lot. I think a little bit too much. I don't know if it's the production because the production's better, but I, I don't know if I, I have a sinking suspicion that in a band situation where you've got these guys who are focused on writing hooks, who write these catchy bass lines, and she's got to bounce her ideas off them and kind of vary her flow based on what they're doing. I think this makes it a little bit more of a cohesive kind of album as opposed to when she's doing it over beats per se. Because with the beats, like, you just kind of vibe on top of it. And I think it's a little bit less of a structure. Like, it's weird. It's like, you know, if, if I was out there, you know, s- single and cool Reggie, you know, hitting the streets, you know, hitting, putting that good, you know, African oil on, you know, before I go out to, you know, that cool club, you know, holler at somebody, you know, and I put this record on, I think I would, I think it'd be out there like, you know, on some like, wow, this is going to be a, a terribly dated and also a, a terribly dated and offensive reference R. Kelly 12 play. Remember how that used to be like the niche album back in the days? Like I could imagine like sadly enough in like 2022 that, you know, there's some like 17, 18, 19 year old trying to look be sexy for a significant other. And they put this on on some like, all right, let me set the vibe. It's, it's weird. Like I said, it's, it's, it's the irony of it. The more I think about it is that you don't really have, maybe you could have made an argument for the weekend. You know, and obviously you've got traditional RB kind of still doing that with like fucking let's see your tanks and everything else. But yeah, this this album definitely fills that weird niche of like, hey, we're young and I'm trying to fuck basically. Yeah, and I yeah, and I I, I get I get the analogy and I get the connection you're trying to make, and you know, um, and you're right, and I, and I think like you know, there's love for Sid, and there are people I know that just completely adore. Um, said you know, adore her, and I think those people you know are of the LGBT community. Um, and this is it's not just the fact that it, it you know, because I don't want to make those sit to R. Kelly. <laughs> you know? I went for it though, I went that, that was it was a sloppy landing, but I tried. I know, but it's like you know, that's hetero, right? That's yeah. male gaze, that's like you know, like, like that's. And, and yeah, like there's not anybody in this space, really, um, who who is singing this music that is at Sid's level, right? And I'm sure that there's a lot of artists that, that on the underground, but I'm talking about like that the algorithm would feed you, you yeah. know, next to like a Summer Walker or next to like you know like whatever. Um, so I, I I get like the love for Sid because I I think you know she is like like one in a million in terms of just like like where she where she is uh, and I'm glad that she's kind of pushing herself because I, I do think like the production of this album was, was great and I think like you know it's just like there's some other things too where I'm just kind of like I, I, I see what you're trying to do and I, I know you're trying to establish yourself as like like the artist um, and I don't know like I, I, I feel like this is probably an album and Sid is probably an artist that will just continue to get better over time so Yep, no, she's still she's still young. Like it's the crazy thing about all of them is, as far as artists is concerned, and just even people, they're extremely young. Like enough where, if I remember correctly, uh, long story short, I think it's the last tour, maybe. But I do know, like Thundercat's brother was still underage. Like he couldn't go drinking. <laughs> like he was like that kind of underage. So yeah, so they're still. Like I said, it's weird because the irony of it all is, you got a point. God damn, they've been around for a long time. Like, you don't really realize. Like, 12 years. Like, oh, shit. Like, like, they're not even 30. Like, like, but they've been around for, like, a decade plus. You know what I'm saying? So, it is crazy. But, yeah, no. Like I said, it's, it's, 
it's not where I want her to be, but that's not to say that she isn't going to get there. I think she, the hardest part I think is to be sexy and not have it come with contrived. And she has that unlock, you know, that sex appeal to sensuousness is just there. And like I said, as I have a sneaky suspicion that she becomes a better songwriter, it'll just be hits from that point on. So, you know, yeah. props to her. Definitely. And definitely. It, and then, uh, my favorites, wet leg, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> How did I know wet leg came out? Spotify sent me an email saying, "Hey Reg, oh my goodness, his 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 here's a hot new quote unquote artist that you need to be up on." You know what I'm saying? My, my favorite industry plants, wet leg. <laughs> um, so since then I've kind of dug, dug a deep dive, and and I, and apparently I'm not the only one who said basically, "Who the fuck are these bitches?" Um, long story short, you know. Yeah, we've kind of touched on this before. If you're a musician, shit's hard, bro. Shit is really hard. So if you're a working musician, usually not in just one or two bands, you've got multiple things out there. You know, there's another band I love called Zealand Ordor, a metal band doing like gospel music, black dude. And basically, you know, he was basically saying he had like three or four bands up and running. You know, he kind of got the idea off of a message board to kind of make this little weird heavy metal hybrid and fucking did that. You know, a lot of musicians have their foot in odd places because it's hard. You don't know what's going to hit. Yeah. So even though I've been kind of going at wet leg because it literally showed up overnight, it looks like for the most part, they are both established very underground indie artists beforehand, before they were just like, yo, fuck it. Let's just get this paper. Um, I mentioned it to Stone before. The last time I, I imagined like a weird globe like this was probably Fallout Boy. Where if you don't know, before Fallout Boy was Fallout Boy, they were basically hardcore punks. But hardcore punks. Black mm. shirts, tattoos, mosh pits of fists. And you know, they were all relatively talented, all from the scene in um Northeast. And you know, that was one of their things was a pop punk project. And that pop punk project basically bought them all fucking Rolexes, you know? And Rolls Royces and Mansions. So yeah. you really can't be mad. Um similar here. Um, band is basically two women. Um, I know one was a, I believe she was doing like uh, shoegaze. I forget the other one was more a singer songwriter. They're a BFFs. They said, hey, let's start a band. You know, pure, you know, like '90s alt rock punk. Pop, bless it, alt rock, alt rock pop. That's what I wanted to say. And uh, and then they made an album. And you know, because of what they've done before, probably some industry connects. You know, they got scooped up quickly. Domino put the whole full court press on their promotion a year before the album even came out. <laughs> uh, they had a hit song of Shay's Lounge, and then it's, it's been, you know, the uh, roller coaster ride since then. Um, that said, even though I've been kind of going hard at them, it's very evident that the music is very solid. They know what they're doing. Um, obviously, by the nature of them being musicians, it's done at a very high level. It's a really interesting mix of, like, I will say, 90s alt rock, you know, arts indie. You throw a little internet 2010 TikTok tweet in there, some cottagecore. And, you know, it's just something where you've got these two musicians who know what they're doing, know the sound they're aiming for, grew up on that sound, just executing on a high level. Um, if there's anything I kind of go at them for is it felt like I like the fact that some of their singles were very high octane. Um, some of the songs in the album were a little bit, I won't say slower, but a little bit more mid-tempo. But I, I kind of get the vision. The vision is not necessarily to be out here on some, you know, reinventive radical movement. The vision really isn't out here, you know, doing like Bon Iver experimentation. You know, the vision really isn't out here doing fucking, you know, you know, some weird folks shit on some like Phoebe Bridgers. The, the shit is just like, hey, let's draw from these influences and let's get shit that'll get us played in car commercials. <laughs> and I am not mad. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's really interesting because I like, I know somebody who like, like ran into them at South by Southwest and like had a conversation with them. And I, I'm not going to like spill the beans and the tea. It was just like, they're just like kind of like, Yo, we were not trying to be industry plants, basically. <laughs> just like, <laughs> yo, we trying to take, you know, we just like made this music and we got scooped up and like, look, if you want to put me in Times Square, <laughs> they got like an ad on Times Square, like you want to put me on Times Square, like I'm gonna take this paper. And I, I can't be mad at that. I I, I cannot. 
<laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, no, I, I definitely feel like their come up has been really interesting. And, you know, like, I, I feel like, I don't know, like when you're white, I feel like it just feels like instant. Right. When you're just like you're nowhere, then you're everywhere. And like every blog, every publication has just been talking about you. You get the ad in Times Square and you're literally like, who are you? And, you know, I, I, I felt like I was judging them just based off of that. As Same. I don't know, any good black person should. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, you know, because, you know, I'm almost like, what are you going to do for black America? You like <laughs> girls from Isle of Wight, England. Um, but I, I, I will say, like, I was very impressed by the album, and I was very impressed by like, because it, it is your your. I I feel like it's nineties, like you know, post punk or whatever, or pop punk or you know, whatever. But it's almost like how Bruno Mars took like seventies funk, good comparison, yeah, <laughs> and elevated it and kind of like made it new and just like made it something that was like crisp and clean. I feel like Wet Leg did the, did the same thing with that like post punk era, right? Um, and I thought like every track I thought was like really dope, and every you know I and I do like the fact. Um, I don't know, like, like even the the lyrics are very much like they literally came up with it like in fifteen minutes, right? And I I, I love the fact that it's that aesthetic, right? It's not like you like over a notepad like hunched over <laughs> <laughs> for two years. It's literally like you know like what uh, what uh, shades lounge or it's like yo we're just like cooking dinner and we watch Mean Girls and we're like yo let's just like drop some like like lyrics into this and like play some riffs, right? <laughs> And like that's you know that's that's kind of the essence of like you know like post punk or like you know music is like, but I think it's like also delivered in that nonchalant way, right? Where you're just like these people are literally just kind of like like making some shit up as you go, but it sounds dope. Take my money, <laughs> you know. And I think that that second part, it sounds dope, and take my money is like the hardest part, and they mastered that. Because anybody can just like make up lyrics on the fly, but like to make it sound good, to make it cohesive, to drop an album that's like very cohesive, I think it's like really, you know, it's really amazing. Like I'm, I'm glad they pull it off. Like there's a track I forgot the name of the track where it's just like they're just talking about getting high and shopping for groceries. <laughs> that's some like high black dude shit. <laughs> you know, it's like some Earl sweatshirt, fat lip, like whatever. <laughs> But like again, like you know, they, they 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 pull it off, and you don't even realize it until you have to go back and look at the lyrics, you know. So, yeah, props to them. Like I'm I'm, I'm not mad. I I, yeah. I can't be mad anymore. Yeah, no, same thing. I, I, like I said, it, it it sucks because sometimes you prejudge them, and, and like I could tell you, I felt the same way about certain 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 acts because of the way they were presented, because of their like, hey, this very pale looking person is the next person up, and cynically, like I said, you look at it, it's like. Uh, do I believe the hype or not? And like I said, given this a listen, I'm just like, I see, I, I guess I see the vision. Like, I, 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 this is not gonna like reinvent the rock music wheel. It's not gonna be these crazy fucking, you know, books, these th- 33 and third books about fucking the history of fucking wet leg. But what they do bring is very sharply written, you know, fucking rock songs that lean on the pop side. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'd rather Wet Leg than, you know, rest in peace, than modern fucking Foo Fighters. You know what I'm saying? Like, like they're still putting effort into what they're doing. I'd rather Wet Leg than modern Weezer. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's cool kind of seeing somebody kind of tackle the medium and tackle it at a high level. And yeah, the glow up was very weird. You kind of see the way it is. You've got two attractive white women. They have guitars. You know, they appeal to fucking all the demographics. Your creepy old boomers who who, who are who are the, the top CEOs of the record labels. You've got Gross. the fucking you know the, the millennial fucking guys who kind of have some management fucking you know management fucking level fucking power now, and they recognize this from when they were fucking the youth and you've and you've got the fact of where they're in the 20s themselves so right there that A&R person fresh off understands what's happening like I said it's just because I think it's you know it's, and it's hard because we, we, we this whole podcast is about the industry so I think it's very easy to become very cynical when you see certain things because most of the time 
it is a product. But this time, I'm not mad. Like I said, it's it's gonna be a lot of fucking 13, 14, 15 year old people out there TikToking to this away and listening to this shit. And it's like I can't be mad. You know what I'm saying? Rather this than like young young lean or some shit. <laughs> True. <laughs> that was True. shots fired, by the way. Fuck you, young lean. <laughs> He's my one beef. If Damn, I ever dude. see him on the streets of Sweden, where is I was he gonna from? say you're you're not gonna be able to get into Sweden now. Uh, that that's gonna it's got it's got no, no more IKEA for me, <laughs> bro. I, I, I actually like there's a podcast I have to send you like about the Swedish hip hop like beat like the shit is like crazy. Really? Like, yeah, like the Swedish Drake basically got like like kidnapped and like like shot and killed. What? Like I mean, it, it is it is like is it is crazy. It's crazier than you would think. <laughs> out I, there, I will like, say those Scandinavian Nordic countries take the music a little seriously. You know that whole black metal era where they were burning down churches and murdering each other. Like, you know, it's it's it, they're, they're, <laughs> Yeah, I I would just say like I I I would not put it past you know Sweden. And I know some like Swedish rappers, man. Like they're out here. Like like it's 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 not IKEA and. What else they got out there? Strudel? I don't know. You know. Damn. Get get get, get stabbed in the neck with a fucking <laughs> a skier's pole. <laughs> <laughs> but on that note, we're gonna end the podcast on talking about Scandinavians murdering people. I guess I don't. You, you never know what you get. With never know what you Stone. get. But uh, but as usual, stay safe. I know uh, you know we outside now, but uh, me and someone having a conversation before doesn't mean COVID is over. Stay safe, stay diligent. Make sure your boosters up to fucking dates. You know what I'm saying? Keep distance if possible. You know what I'm saying? If you're feeling them sniffles, stay home. Don't affect anybody else. You know what I'm saying? Keep that mask up in public places. And uh, you know, peace. Peace.